Welcome to the Actuarial Agendas In The Know podcast, where we look to speak to some of the best industry professionals to gauge a unique and insightful perspective on the profession. Today, we're joined by Katie Walker, Chief Commercial Officer of Strategy and Technology at Aon, and our very own resident actuary and client director, Rob Hammond. Before joining Aon in April of this year, Katie spent five years at Willis Towers Watson. Prior to WTW, she enjoyed successful periods at Liberty Mutual, CNA Insurance, and Pinnacle Consultant. In addition, Business Insurance honored Katie as a woman to watch in 2022, and we are privileged to have her on the show today. How are we doing, Katie? Hi, I'm glad to be here. This will be fun to get to talk with you guys. <laughs> um, so it's probably been last couple of months have been a bit of a whirlwind, new role at Aon. How, how has it been so far? Yeah, it's been fun uh, to get to do something new. Um, so uh, prior roles were really focused on actuarial work and then actuarial consulting. And uh, in my last stint leading an actuarial practice, which is a different set of muscles. Um, but with Aon, it's really a bit broader role, thinking about strategy, um, thinking more about global applications, how do we leverage mm. things into best practices? And then obviously Aon's extensive brokerage network and uh, client contacts, that's a really fun opportunity to get to talk to clients, interact, uh, learn a lot of new things, and then uh, you know, roll up your sleeves. Um, it's essentially like being at a startup of 45,000 people. And when I'm doing like research into yourself and by trade, you are an, an actuary, um, a traditional actuary, your chief commercial officer is not a role that you see many actuaries really moving into. What, for Aon, what was the reason behind, behind and your motivation behind such a move? Uh, yes. So when I was interviewing, they were talking about what do I like to do? Which was such a fun thing to be able to say, I like to do this. Um, I've done a lot of things in my career and I've been fortunate enough to enjoy a lot of it. But, um, you know, I have a, a boss who just really says, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What what would really motivate you to come work here? Um, so I thought, what do I like to do? I, I love the idea of strategy. I'm actually a business major. So I'm, uh, I am a trained actuary, but I often say I'm an accidental actuary. Uh, that it found me and that here I am some years later. But I love the idea of taking, of understanding actuarial work, understanding how insurance companies work, and then really thinking about how does that work within a business. So business, the business application is not something I think every actuary ultimately enjoys, but it's also, I'm trained in business and trained in um, leading an organization. So mm -hmm. for me, this is just fun to think about how do I put these pieces together? And at Aon, I had, you know, I had the big set of Legos to start with. It wasn't just the small set and go find some more, uh, but we had big Legos to start building things with. So it's been a, a lot of fun, um, lots of acronyms and new things to learn, but a lot of fun. <laughs> and both are gone. Sorry, John. I was going to say it's really, it's really nice actually. Um, I, I talk to a lot of actuaries and, and part qualified actuaries or nearly newly qualifieds, and this will be nice to hear about the lots of different things you can do as an actuary. It's not just all about number crunching and so on. And, and I think you probably don't do much number crunching these days. Is that right? You know, it's true. Um, there are days where I have to block out a couple hours to get to do some real work. Um, so I think. 
there are days where it's just fun to do a spreadsheet. Uh, my husband laughs at me because I can take anything and he's like, you're going to make a PowerPoint out of this, aren't you? And, um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's different. And I, I know that, uh, uh, the practitioners that I had the privilege to work with over my career, brilliant, brilliant people. I've often said, I don't stand too close to many of them because, uh, I'll be found out, but it, it's different skills. And so I, I appreciate, I grew up, you mentioned Liberty Mutual doing large reserving and workers comp reserving, which is not easy. And I, I did really enjoy doing it when I was there and uh, specialty pricing at CNA. And then, you know, back into pricing and analytics and things where it's that first day of school jitters, you're not sure you're good at it. Uh, but then you're like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. But this role is just very, very different in the sense of I have a very good understanding of analytics, which then um, it's kind of the tagline people talk about right now, using analytics to make better decisions. Yeah. I use analytics and I'm making them crazy right now asking, can I get this? Can I get this? Can you slice it like this? Because I think business analytics, it's the, really the same idea. I want to make great business decisions. Give me some data. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, your role title, strategy and technology, what does that entail? I think you know, on the technology side, I'm, I'm really curious about future trends. I think we talk about the advancement in AI, which has just taken the world by storm in the last um, 18 months and how that's going to affect the industry in terms of how um, companies will develop products going forward. In your role, what does that encompass? Technology is really interesting because there's two ways to think about it. One is let's sell some widgets and, you know, here's a six pack. Would you like to supersize it? And I think there is that type of technology. Technology within insurance is a bit more complicated in that it's not actually what we're selling. We're selling a solution. And the solution is generally that you need something to work better, to work faster, to work smarter. And there's the complication with technology is you're trying to hook it up into a number of systems that are not always modern. Uh, you're working around policy admin system implementations. You're working across uh, outside vendors and APIs and, and internal controls and the governance that we need to have. So with technology, there there's a big push with AI, and we did see with InsureTech uh, the big push the last few years, all the InsureTech and the disruptors coming through. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is that insurance has not been okay with it. Um, the, the governance, the regulations, the things required to work within the insurance industry is not as conducive to a lot of startups. There's not a ton of success stories where you see somebody come out of the gate and there's, there's a lot of buzz. There's people doing really great things. I love the mission statements, but we're not seeing people make a lot of money by trying to disrupt insurance because it is sort of that big ship that is going steady and straight through the water. And we're all trying to turn it with technology and bring in some nuances. We're trying to bring in new insights and mm. we're trying to catch up with some other parts of the world that have been able to be more nimble. Uh, insurance inherently not the most nimble profession and technology is an enabler. It's an accelerator. It's going to enable us to start to do the things that we now have got our arms around data. We understand it better. AI is fascinating. We talk about it all the time. Could we use it for this? Could we use it for that? And I think the hardest part, uh, especially from the consulting side, is just we're trying to figure out how to deal with a broad range of clients and what do you need to offer? What do most people need? And how do you get to the forefront where when 
the first group is ready to go, the first uh, doctors, you're right there with them. So it's the journey. Technology is really about the journey. And I think the trends right now really have to do with automation. It has to do with thinking um, more holistically about how you set the business up for the future. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to say the insurance is like, it's like a big tanker that you're trying to turn around. Do you think, do you think it's the, what, what they're trying to use technology and AI for that that's difficult or is the industry itself resisting mm. the use of AI and technology? Mm. You know, I don't know that the industry is resisting because I don't know how many clients have said to me when you say, what does it look like to you for your data and your reporting? Oh, I want to be like Amazon. Everybody wants to be mm -hmm. like Amazon. They want to have all the yeah. data. They want to know what you were shopping for yesterday. And yeah. they, they do want that. They love the idea of being cutting edge and hitting that button. Uh, I think there is some hesitance to change, though. Uh, insurance yeah. is, is a bit of a, I think we're still scaled a bit to, um, I don't know what generation we're on now, the Gen Xers, the Gen Yers, <laughs> uh, you know, the baby boomers are starting to move through, but it's it hasn't been a millennial op occupation. Mm. It is something that's very worrisome when we think about the future of work. And so there is a bit of when you run into someone who has been very capably and responsibly been doing their job for 25 or 30 years, they don't really want to hear about the AI thing you're going to bring in when they're in their last couple of years of doing what they're doing. Um, and you can't really blame them. It, there's a bit of that. So I think with insurance, there, it's a bit of a culture shift of how do we bring in fresh minds, fresh ideas. Uh, we're doing a lot of work the last 10 years in uh, upgrading infrastructure. So how do we get to a place where we can start to bring technology in without disruption? Because actually, insurance people hate disruption. They hate the idea that they can't run the Okafor report or the Hammond memo, which gets run on Tuesdays. And they need to have their day-to-day -day activities. So technology has to be able to come in and be pretty seamless. Yeah. I, I, so, sorry, John. Yeah, yeah, go on. And I would technology as well. It's, I, I guess people worry about, is it going to mean fewer jobs and fewer opportunities? Yeah. But technology, like you said, should be an enabler. It should, should help us to do things quicker, faster, more of it. Um, so, you know, I, I always think that, you know, I think people were worried when, when computers came in and emails started replacing letters even. I can remember when fax machines, John's probably never heard of a fax machine. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it, people always worry about change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah, I think um, you know, I think uh, uh, it, it's. I keep seeing with insurance about uh, AI or digital, um, the 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 speed at which uh, uh, underwriting is being done, and you know, yeah. a, 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 you know, seconds to to get a claim resolved and things like that. That it seems that everyone's racing to to do it quicker true i recall in my career where now uh, pass through underwriting was a thing so you didn't want him to touch every policy and that made people so uncomfortable so we built we're building rules with the company and the rules basically flagged every policy so they had to be touched anyway um you know was it written on a day that ends in y flag it mm -hmm. so it, it's about comfort as well of getting people to understand uh we're not adding more. So when you say to someone, I want to triage claims differently, well, I need to ask these three additional questions. And all they're thinking is three more, three more. And what they're not thinking is, well, maybe I don't have to ask four of these other ones. So mm -hmm. that impact minus one. 
and it, it's change. Change is difficult. Change management has become a very big part of what yeah. strategy consulting involves is helping people understand at the end of the day, if you bring the AI in, the same thing when the models first came out. Oh my gosh, you know, what are we going to do? These models, we don't understand them. You don't need anyone to price things anymore. It was very much the robots are coming, doomsday scenario. Mm -hmm. And what most people found is that when the workforce constricted, as it has the last couple of years through multiple macroeconomic things, which is a whole other podcast, we were able to withstand it because we could leverage some of the technology solutions at the time. And I know everybody during the last few years has done more with fewer people. And not only have we done more, we've also been able to do more impactful things. So we often talk about it used to be reserve analysis was get the number at the end. The answer is 12 million. Now it's the answer is 12 million with the insights of it's trending or there's a caveat or we understand that there's something coming in that could impact it. We need a variability margin around it. So insights has been a very big part of technology giving us the gift of time back. We can actually think about what we're doing rather than the rote exercise of, okay, trend this, add that, turn it sideways, capitalize, multiply, and the answer is, we can actually think about what is important. Spend a moment, uh, technology can help us very quickly evaluate our landscape and say, oh, there's a trouble spot, let's go over there. We're not wasting a lot of time doing things that are in good shape, but we are identifying triggers earlier that will help us to solve problems yeah that's really and um one one point that i want to uh, touch upon there and uh rob mentioned it there was the speed underwriting is done i think as the industry has evolved and you mentioned getting your te time back technology right now is all about speeding up the process like you said there's a bit a little bit of a resistance would you say that resistance might be seen as a positive thing because yes ai is so exciting yes this new this new technology can speed things up should we have a little bit of caution um as we try and integrate it better within the industry always good to keep an open mind um because a lot of times we say faster is better bigger is better brighter is better and then we have to think about what are the long-term consequences. Uh, one of my very early actuarial projects was when credit scoring came out and there's a lot of young people on the line saying, well, that's going away, that's archaic and it probably is these days. But uh, it was such a thing that we saw what lift there was. We saw how predictive it was. Then we pushed it into the market and then you may or may not remember there was so much backlash about uh, in the U.S., especially about regulations and we're rediscriminating and coming out of the pandemic and the many things that happened, there's that question again. So it's unraveling it is a whole nother issue. Sometimes we put things in and we never consider that we may have to unravel them later if something is not working or uh, even really standard ones uh, without getting political gender. Gender is a variable as a yeah. little political uh, one that you have to say, well, how would I unravel that? Um, how do I pick up the lift in some other variable? And so the faster part, there's so many things. You can push a button, you can pull data from seven different external sources and get this great underwriting model. And I think the cautionary tale is just not to be too reliant on answers such that we say, ta-da, there's the answer. And we stop looking at the drivers because it could be saying the rates are going up. 
and we don't pause and look and say, well, that seems unusual, or does that seem in line with our philosophies, with our corporate mission statements? And there's a possibility, I think, of always being too reliant on technology. So using it uh, with our brains, with the many smart people that we choose to hire, I think is really the essential part. Really good. Um, you mentioned being a woman and gender. Um, Katie, how has it been in terms of your career? You've been with your experience and the sort of shift now in terms of trying to um, get more women into the industry. Uh, what have you? What sort of evolutions within the industry in terms of gender discrimination for actuaries have you seen in terms of the improvement? Really interesting time right now because I think there's a big push on equality, on we use diversity inclusion. Someone used a phrase once at a conference I was at, which was more about representation, which I thought was fascinating. So it's akin to the idea of um, my other favorite way someone described it is uh, you're inclusive because you invite the vegans to your barbecue, but you're not representing if you're only serving hamburgers, hot dogs. So it, it's a bit of yeah, a silly one that I always remember someone saying, and it made sense to me. I'm like, oh, you're inclusive. We, we invited you. Yep, there you are. Yeah, yeah. But you're not really in, you're inclusive, but you don't, don't have proper representation if there's not voices at the table. And so, you know, I, I think through my career and in the last five-ish years, I've probably been asked to do more speaking about being a woman in the industry because mm -hmm. here I am. And it, it's interesting to think back all the way to the beginning and where I started, and it, it wasn't good. Uh, there were things that could be said, and it's interesting because if I were to say, oh, this happened, uh, women are shocked and they're horrified. They're like, someone spoke to you that way? And I have to pause for a moment and a lot of times I think women were conditioned that we were supposed to be okay with this. And if we, we couldn't be complainers and, you know, I, I, my career though, obviously got a little bit different track than a lot of people, but I, I'm a big believer in advocates and allies. And I have, I know a lot of men in the, in the industry who've always been champions for me. They've been supporters. Um, I know other people, mm -hmm. not just men, but other people who just have not been supportive. And, uh, you know, some of it's just stereotype that they're, shouldn't be three women in the room. There should be one woman, one nice token woman. And and that's difficult. So I think there are days where I feel like it's a lot better and then something will happen and yeah. you'll just look around and you'll say, wait, what? And it, it's concerning because I, I like to think that our profession as a whole, people who really work in um, an industry that's about indemnification and fairness and equality and doing the right thing, that we would have a better handle on it. And in you know the last three years and changes in the world, you just feel like things are there some days. And then you turn and you're like, no, they're, they're really not. And I, I've been fortunate in a lot of ways where I've had opportunities but I think that sometimes there's still a notion that women either um, you are the token woman or mm -hmm. I, I've been asked to be on panels because we just don't need another white guy to blue blazer. And yeah. I remember a friend asking yeah. me to do this and I said, well, I'm going to wear a blue blazer because that was all I could come <laughs> up with. Um, yeah. But, but I, I'm qualified as, and that's the part that is just amusing to me sometimes is people will call me not because they always think I'm qualified, but oh, you'll, you'll make our panel more inclusive. 
Yeah. So it, it's an interesting phenomenon, and I, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy. I've gotten some great opportunities out of it. I've taken every one of them to say, "Here we go. Let, let's let's have a talk now, and, and we'll showcase what we're going to do and what's the right thing to do." But but it's disturbing sometimes, and I think it's obviously people of color and women and um, people in different roles. Again, I don't want to get too political on it, but I think yeah. I think it's challenging to to show up and say that we're all going to be our authentic selves and then not really have the right structure. Um, if you're a company and you say, I'm for pay equality, your women have to make the same amount as your men doing the same job with the same skills, and the same capabilities. Uh, if you're not doing the same job and you just happen to have the same job title, you know, that that's, that's different. But I think if a woman's doing the same role, I think if a black person is doing the same role, I think if an Asian American is doing the same role, it, it really needs to be, and companies have to actually stand up and honor it. And I think we're talking the talk right now, and I think we're starting to walk the walk. Yeah. So I, that's my political soapbox. I'm off it now. <laughs> but um, I, th I think I, it's, I think it's industry. Yeah, I, th I think it's interesting what you say. I, I really liked your uh, analogy of, of the barbecue and the inclusion and representation, yeah, and, and I think the I think the industry is getting better. I still think there's a long way to go, and and having representation, people like yourself, Katie, in senior positions is is great role models for 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 younger you know women coming through the industry to say yeah you know we can make it you know we can get there. Um, so I think, I think that's great. It could be some trial and error. It could be a little bit of finding the right place where you fit and where the culture fits. And that's the other challenge that I think women have always had is that uh, traditionally go back to the 1950s, we've been meant to serve almost and roles in the office of den mother or, um, you know, the person who back in the day would get the coffee. And so it, it's a cultural shift for us to be able to feel empowered enough to say, this culture isn't working for me. I need to find a place that fits better for my goals and my needs. And I think that is a big change in the last even 10 years of women feeling like I could go get another job and I'm not going to ruin my life or my career. And I'm just going to find a place where I can go and work and do my best yeah, and um, one thing uh, I, I really want to pick up, up up on is um, you've been in spaces and, or panels where you felt like you was the only woman there. What sort of initiatives would you say that good companies look to encourage more more women to step up into senior roles, whilst not necessarily feeling that oh we're just tick box for the company to say oh we've got a woman on our panel. Um. So I think from the company side, a lot of companies are really looking for good people and there, you can read any article and it really talks about some of the gender differences that, um, men are raised to be a little bit more look at me and the uh, strength and power and women are, have not always been raised that way. And so I think generally culturally, as we shift where women are more able to say, I accomplished this, not, I worked on a team with, I supported. Uh, it's some of the action verbs within even resumes that you write, um, led the team, directed this, not contributed to. And so there, there's small things like that that are making a difference in the way that we speak. Um, we talked about allies and empowerment. 
when I received my award from business insurance, I had three men write letters of recommendation for me as advocates, um, right. a, a friend who was a volunteer, a, a former boss, a, a client. Um, and it was really nice to be able to stand up and thank them for being allies and um, for being part of the solution. So I, I'm not sure I answered the question exactly, John, so I'm not happy to dig in a little more, but I, I think there's a shift in mentality of being um, companies finding places where women can stand up and make decisions and women feeling confident enough to do it. Yeah, I think allies is a great way to summarize. I think it's, it's important for the men existing in those sort of senior positions to create a culture and an environment where the women do feel empowered, where they do create a space for that woman to take that job role into managerial or director level um, positions. I know Rob said he would love to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. Go on, yeah. Go on. No, I was going to say, in my experience, I I've been blessed with some bosses who did create that role, but they also treated me fairly. So I had equal expectations. I wasn't really given a a soft, here's a little job for you type of role. It was a, you're one of the three managers. Here's what you do, and you're judged on the same scale. And there there's a there's a toughening about that. You've got to rise to the challenge. And so I think for men, some of it is creating the opportunity, but still being fair. I, I don't think any woman really wants, secretly wants a pass so that she can get a better job at the end of the day. We want to be treated fairly and we want to succeed. Of course. Okay. Finally, um, your early days at Aon, what does success look to, look like for you? If, we, if I were to get you in a, on this pod in a, a year from now, then five years from now, what Katie Walker now, what does the success look for you at Aon? That's a great question. <laughs> that was one I don't think it was on the approved list that I gave you, but um, <laughs> you know, success is, it, it's changed. Uh, I think when you're 20 something, you're starting out, success looks like something and you reach a point in your career where a little bit for me, I, I'm thinking about legacy right now. Um, there's people who you've hired and you're really happy to see where they succeeded. And so you're, there's moments that someone will remind you that something happened and you did something and it mattered. And that's a lot of what I'm thinking about these days is to come into Aon, which is a large corporation, but to basically work in their new strategy technology group, which is almost a year old. And think about how do we take this group of really intelligent people within this amazing organization and create something that's going to bring value to our clients and to the industry. And so you can pull out the KPIs and you can do a lot of things and you could say, oh, well, I'll be a billion dollars, or you could say a lot of those things. And that, that's a good one too. But I think a lot of where we're going to measure our success in is were we able to adapt were we able to show resilience and able to work with our clients? And I think the impact that we're going to see that people will measure is, okay, how much revenue and how much of this? 
But I really like to say that in a year that we are up and running consistently where we are really able to leverage the relationships across our brokers into thinking about value-add opportunities. And in five years, I'd really like to think that there were some new companies that formed that we were able to start working with early that accelerated, that there were new products, new innovations within companies, uh, things in the industry that we were able to influence. And ultimately, at the end of the day, um, I'd like to see this little startup be a big part of the of the industry and like to see that we're a group of professionals who are standing on stages and talking at podiums. Um, apparently, I'm booked for a podcast in five years, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> and uh, But I'd love to see our team out really talking about the things in the industry that are going to make a difference and that ultimately go back down to the, the clients and the consumers that we're working with. So, um, you know, success is about where we go from here. And so, you know, from an Aon perspective, I think that's important. And then really from a personal perspective, um, I, I'd like to have a few more of those moments where someone said, do you remember that you said or that you did? And where I've really been able to um, impact people, uh, make them think a little bit differently, make them pause, make them take, take a moment and do something for another person, uh, because that's kind of why we're here. That's what it's all about. Well, I think here at BWD, we're definitely going to be following um, the the journey you have with Aon taking a, a start, moving a multinational to new levels. And I think I, I think that you're going to be very successful. And um, you're booked in for five years to come on the podcast. So <laughs> we're interested to see how things go. But, in the um, calendar, so we're good. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much for your time today. Um, listeners, that was Katie Walker here on the Actual Agendas in the Note podcast. Make sure you uh, hit the little subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any of the latest tips, trends and news within the industry.